friends, welcome. This is it. We have over a decade of episodes unpacking stories and life to help you discover your purpose, your divine design, and what you are wired to do. This is Patty Lynn Wyatt. Please subscribe on YouTube or subscribe to Girlfriend It so we can be in it together. All right. Well, welcome. We have a fabulous guest today. We've had her on before and she is back. Her name is Esther Smith. She is an author and a counselor. And last month, her book came out, The Whole Life. She co-authored and welcome. How are you, Esther? Thank you. Yes, I am good. How are you? I am great. And I have to say the name Esther is also a family name in my family. So where where does that name what what were your mom what was your mom thinking has she shared that whole story with you well i think that they named me esther because it is a biblical name um so i do believe that they that's the main reason um but it's also a jewish name and i do have um back generations um orthodox jewish family members um who converted to christianity and so i do think that that was a part of it um as well Interesting. So do you love the story, Esther, in the Bible? Did your mom share it with you often? <laughs> I actually can't remember if she's shared it with me often, but I do like the story. Yes, I I like my name and I like the story that it comes from a lot. So, yeah. Uh, I always think, and if I perish, I perish. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it's like, how many times do you go, just go for it. And if I perish, I perish. So I, I love the story of Esther. So I want to talk about, first of all, um, in your other episode, you shared a little bit about your life and how you have dealt with an autoimmune condition and you um, have lived with chronic pain. But your book now is the whole life and just talking about um, holistically and organically, how do we really... Um, we're a good steward of what God gave us and truly using your, your, you know, your body as the temple of the Holy Spirit. But I also want to ask you before we, we dive into this um, with your, with your book, uh, you mentioned in the last episode, the first step of a chronic illness is dealing with grief and accepting it and grieving through this. And at what point did you realize, okay, I need to grieve this? Um, because we, we also talked about denial and acceptance. So what, what took place that you realized, okay, it's okay to grieve. It's okay to not be okay. Yeah, I can't think of a particular moment, but definitely the realization came through my writing. So I started writing because of the physical struggles that I was going through just to process it for myself. It just kind of began as a journal and then turned into my blog, Life in Slow Motion, which I, you know, blogged on for quite a bit of time. And that for me, the writing was actually part of my my grieving. And I'm not sure I would have given it that name at the time that, oh, I'm writing to grieve. But looking back, I can see that that's what I was doing to just take the time to sit with what I was experiencing and putting it into words and how it was affecting me and just how difficult it was. And just that act of writing it down 
was how I grieved. And I think it happened over a long period of time. There was no one moment when I realized it was over the years grieving different things because, you know, people who live with chronic illness, you know, it, it just changes all the time. You have different symptoms at different times and different severity of symptoms at different time. And so it really is an ongoing process that I went through, um, through writing. Mm. I, uh, in the last couple of years have dealt with an issue with my eye. I have a, a, a slice in it. And when you said that, I thought, you know, I don't know if I've grieved that. You just keep ignoring it. And yet every day you're so aware of it. And especially when it's your eyesight. So that, that helped me to think, you know, it's okay to grieve the loss of your, of your sight and the, the pain it brings. And yet um, you don't want, I, I, I'm the opposite. I don't want to talk about it with anybody. So people go, how's your eye? Cause you know, some of them know I'm continuously at the doctors and you're like, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> you just, you don't want to be that person where it's like, Oh, you wouldn't believe what happened. And, and so that, that was just good to hear that, you know, go through the grieving process. Well, you are um, a counselor at life counseling and you, like you said, have been writing this blog and now you've co-authored this book, the whole life. What would you say, uh, you mentioned grief would be one of your number one tips. What would you say we need to really pay attention to here? Because I think that uh, burnout is so real and we just don't even notice the symptoms until we're fried and all of a sudden, you know, it, it it turns into discouragement, then it turns into apathy, then it turns into to depression, and we go, what happened? So what, mm -hmm. what are some of the things in your book that you would like to bring to light? Yeah, the first thing that comes to mind is just this concept of slowing down. I think that's something that we come to over and over again in the book. So the book is divided up in the six different sections where we talk about your, your whole life in different areas. So spiritual life, physical life, um, a purposeful life, community life, work life, a restful life. There's all these different areas of life. And this theme that we do come back to a lot is just what does it look like to slow down and pay attention? So in your spiritual life, what does it look like to slow down and be unhurried and have this time with God each day? And in your physical life, what does it look like to pay attention to what your body is telling you? Maybe it's telling you to go to the doctor. Maybe it's telling you that you need to move more or change your diet. But if you pay attention, what is it telling you? And I could go through each one of these areas and, you know, talk about what that looks like to slow down and just almost take this inventory. We have a lot of journaling questions throughout the book that, that help people with that to really assess yourself. Um, it's also the reason why the book is, um, the subtitle of the book is 52 Weeks of Biblical Self-Care, because we really want, it's another way to help people slow down. What does it look like to really think about self-care over the course of a long period of time, not just to, you know, read the book over a couple of days and then leave it, but to really sit with it um, and consider what self-care looks like for you in each area of your life. And to answer that question, you really have to pay attention. You have to really sit with it for a while. Mm -hmm. And, and what, okay, so be still, you know, sit with it, find that space uh, to be able to acknowledge it. 
um, what what are some other things that can really help you in having this whole life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's see. I'm just kind of thinking about each one of our sections. And so the one at the end, our last section is about rest. And I think that that's um, a really good one to kind of think about in more detail. Um, So one of the things that I do that I talk about in the book is what does it look like to take a weekly Sabbath rest? God has given us this invitation. He's given us this gift that, you know, each Sunday or it might be a different day of the week that we get to slow down and we get to set it aside purposefully to worship God, but also to um, refresh ourselves. And this question of, are you accepting that gift? Are you are you taking that invitation that God has given you? Because I think a lot of us um, don't. And that's been a very important practice for me throughout my life is to make sure I'm taking that day. Um, we also talk about what does it look like to spend time in in solitude? I know that can be difficult for people depending on their circumstances and might look you know, different in different seasons of life. But are you taking time to spend by yourself um, with God or, you know, just on your own without all the busyness and people around you? Um, are you taking time to look at your sleep habits, um, good sleep hygiene? You know, we talk about what that looks like to have good sleep hygiene and what it looks like to um, trust in God when you're tr- struggling to sleep. So, you know, that's just some examples from that one section about rest, practical examples that I use personally and that we talk about that I think can be really helpful. Yeah. And so are you, are you an introvert or an extrovert? I am an introvert. Yes. And so how are you, I I know it's, it doesn't mean, you know, introvert doesn't mean, Oh, I just don't want to be with people. It's just how you get energized. Uh, so what does that look like for you? Because uh, I know in your your book, it talks about you know how important community is. And I know from my friends that are introverted, they do really well on social media because that's kind of like their their space that they can have those relationships, but they don't have to be in a room full of people. For me, Uh, I definitely get energized by a room full of people. So COVID, you know, was painful. It's like, I don't like to go grocery shopping or shopping, but all of a sudden it's like, okay, put my mask on and I'll go get apples. You know, (laughs) I just have to be around people. Um, What does that look like for you when you're saying how important that community is, especially now with COVID? How do you get fulfilled to make sure you're meeting those needs in your holistic living yeah and that for me that is a really important question because yeah i think sure i naturally go towards talking about some of those restful practices because i think they come more naturally to me and for me it's not that you know community is definitely very important um, for me and i would say that COVID has been difficult with the isolation, although I will also say that in some ways, because of the chronic health issues that I deal with, I've gone through long periods of time in the past where I really physically was not able to get out as much as I 
you know, wanted to. So in some ways there was this sense of like, oh, wow, like I've, I've done this before. I know what it looks like to have to do a lot of my socializing online and um, through video chats. Um, so in one sense, it was very difficult. In another sense, I had already experienced that before to a degree. And what I'm finding is that right now I would say I'm in a place where I'm just at home a lot. I'm working from home and I just have to be really intentional. I think probably what fills me up the most is just having one-on-one chats with my friends. So just being intentional about inviting somebody over or going out to have coffee or something along those lines and making sure that I'm scheduling that pretty, pretty regularly. But if I'm being honest right now, I feel that I probably am not getting as much like social interaction or interaction with people as it mm. would be healthy for me or what I would even want. And that's challenging because in some, to some degree, I feel like I don't have complete control over that with just with COVID and, you know, how I've decided to, you know, separate to some degree from some situations. Um, and so that's, that's an ongoing challenge to try to figure out, you know, what does it look like? to try and get, you know, the friendship and the community that I need while mm-hmm. we're in these circumstances. Yeah, it, it really has. It's, it's changed a, a lot with um, so many people are feeling that, that lonely and that, that operating out of that place of, of isolation. And uh, I know we talked about it in the last episode that, of individuals are dealing with mental health issues. That is astronomical to me. I, I, you just go, where is that coming from? And do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, we know it's from COVID and the pandemic. And just like you said, you're having to, you know, figure out a way to develop those relationships as well. Um, Any any tips on that? How can we, especially with our younger kids, you're seeing that where they don't even, they can't even order food because they have anxiety to talk to somebody else. So any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I definitely just even in my counseling practice have seen the increase in the mental health struggles. And like you said, I agree as especially noticeable in younger people, especially with the anxiety. The example you gave is a very prevalent example that I will see of just this social anxiety really increasing for people. And I think my, I mean, my thought on it is just that this is not how we were designed to live. You know, we weren't designed to live this existence where we don't see people face to face and have that isolation that we were talking about. And then I think the other part of it is that just from a counseling perspective, we're all living in this state of like vigilance to some degree or not everybody, but a lot of people are this state of knowing that there is this heightened level of danger around us. And just on, you know, again, from a counseling perspective, that just 
does something to our nervous systems. It makes our nervous systems heightened and activated. And so in addition to those social interactions that we need, we just need ways to be able to calm that down. It's why we're seeing such high levels of anxiety and why people are having these trauma responses is just, like I said, that danger. And so finding ways to calm ourselves and you know, some of the practices we talk about in the whole life really are really helpful for that. You know, we talk about things like deep breathing and we talk about using breathing while meditating on scripture. And those are all ways, um, uh, we also, we talk about like, you know, just these body scans of relaxing the body and it's always to kind of bring down those heightened nervous systems that are kind of reacting to all of the stress and that, you know, whether the danger is perceived or real in different situations with COVID to kind of start to bring that down. So in a nutshell, that's kind of how I would describe my perspective on it. Um, and now I, I, I remember learning the uh, meditation, like relaxing the body. When I was in college, I took a class and, you know, literally going from the toes all the way up to the brain and watching the steam leave your body. And it's, it was so amazing. And yet I've probably done that twice since, <laughs> since college. So it's, it's almost like self-destructive. We know it's good. And yet we, we don't, we just don't do it. And, you know, it's like, okay, we know working out is good for us. And yet so many people don't want to go for a walk. And yet we know it it's so healing to be able to do that. Do you have some tips that you can add? So, for example, I was um, reading one book on tiny habits and he does goal stacking where if, every time he flushes the toilet, he goes and does four push-ups you know, some things like that. And it's like, that is such a great tip. I was sharing it with a friend and they said, oh, I would just go to the bathroom again <laughs> rather than have to do some push-ups." But do you have some tips for that type of goal stacking on how you can, because it's, it's habitual, right? We have to, just like you said in the last episode about not drinking coffee. Mine is, is not, I don't even really care for the taste of caffeine. It's the waking up in the morning and having it, holding the mug, experiencing the smell of coffee. All of that is just the idea of coffee makes me happy. It's not mm -hmm. even the taste. So how do you create those those habits to, to help you not be, you know, self-sabotaging? Yeah. So a couple things come to mind. One when specifically related to the meditation and you were talking about like the body scan and how we know those things are good for us, but it's really hard to practice. I would say that using like an app or a program is really what has helped me make that a habit at different times in my life. And so like, I would say the concept I would draw out of that is we have to make some of these things easier for ourselves. So it's, difficult to sit down and kind of like in our book, we write out, you know, the instructions. It's difficult to sit down and to like read that and to make yourself go through that. It's a little bit easier if you use an app such as the Calm app or something like that to um, help you. You know, we need, we need help. We need things that make those habits easier. Um, I think the other thing is 
doing it at the same time every day. So similar to, you know, the example that you gave, if you're trying to make meditation into a habit to do it, you know, every night before you go to bed or every morning, as soon as you wake up as a way to develop that habit and also doing it in the same setting. So the same time in the same setting um, to, to kind of help reinforce that. And then the third thing I would say is that, for habits to develop, and again, this is just based on, you know, reading I've done on habits and my own experience is for it to be associated with a reward. So you talked about like that reward of coffee. And so if you're trying to quit coffee, then, you know, what is the reward that can be there instead? And, you know, one example that comes to mind for me is a while back when I was like really having trouble getting into like some of my physical therapy exercises and making sure I did it every day, I started doing it every day while I watched TV. And so probably not the best way to exercise, but this is just kind of how I turned it into a habit where it would be the same time in the evening, it would be the same place in my living room, and there would be this reward while I did it of, okay, while I while I do my exercises, I'm going to also, you know, watch this TV show. So there was this, you know, pleasant reward connected to it. Um, and so, you know, those are some of the things that I've, you know, learned and kind of experienced can really help with developing habits, I think. Yeah. That's, that's a great tip. I, I know I do that. It, when I get on the elliptical, I watch Netflix. And I know people would laugh at that because uh, that must not be that great of a workout. But no, it really is. I mean, I work, it's in my garage. I can't get on it unless, um, I mean, I can't watch Netflix unless I'm doing the the elliptical. Like somehow you're rewarding yourself by, by doing it. Um, so yeah, great, great tip. And I also, in your book, you talk about just the emotional health. Why do you think it's just so often neglected? You know, why why do we just forget how to um, how to have that mindfulness? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think part of it might be that it's not something that we're taught to take care of growing up. It's not the sort of thing where like you have a class on, you know, at least when I was growing up, I didn't have a class on, you know, this is how you care for your emotional or your mental health. And I think maybe that might be changing to some degree where where kids are taught that more at this point. But for me, you know, it wasn't something where. I was told this is something to be aware of and this is something that we need to take care of in the same way that we take care of our physical health. Um, And I, I think the other reason that comes to mind is that for some people, it's not that we don't think it's important. For some people, it's that it feels embarrassing or there's this stigma attached to it. So there's this knowledge that, oh, it's really important for me to take care of this, but I feel too embarrassed or overwhelmed or uncertain of how to even take those steps for myself. I don't want to tell somebody because, you know, that would be, you know, shameful to admit what I'm going through or, um, you know, and then if you don't want to tell somebody, you're not going to get those resources that you need or maybe the referral to the right counselor or the additional support that you might need from your friends because you're just keeping it to yourself because it just, you don't want to disclose that. So that's some of what I see. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yet, um, it, it, it is funny. Cause yeah, I think of when I grew up, you know, my dad would literally say, you know, shrink or, um, yeah, they're a nut job. They have to see a shrink. <laughs> it's like, can you imagine if you had to say, Hey, 
by the way, I might need to go get some help here. Um, so we, we definitely languaged it differently than we language it now. Um, and yet now I feel like pretty much everybody does go to counseling or sees a therapist. And this, this is a harsh question because that is, you, you know, you are a counselor, but do you feel that we might be leaning too much on that? Like this band-aid of, I, I, I can't share with my friends anymore. I have to go seek help because I can't be real and transparent and authentic with the people that I hang out with. Uh, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? That's not going to help your career, is it? <laughs> <laughs> there, are, there are plenty of people who need counseling right now, so I'm not concerned about that. Um, yeah, that's an interesting question. I would say that my my personal experience is I don't have very many people come to me who I think to myself, oh, you could have just worked this out with a friend. That is not personally my experience. But I'm not going to say it does not happen. I think that that can happen sometimes. And usually it goes back to what I was saying before is that the person just feels embarrassed or they don't feel comfortable opening up. And yeah, in that, and, and I do think that that is something, you know, in our churches and our communities for us to work on, to have more openness where, you know, there can be those, you know, relationships where, ministry is happening between, you know, two people where it's not in a counseling setting. And, you know, in, a, in, in the, you know, the, the churches, the church that I go to and, you know, the church, churches that are around me where I work, I, I do see that happening. You know, I see, I see that one another ministry happening where people are having some of those conversations. And then if it's, you know, too much to handle in those settings, they kind of get referred to me or, or somebody else. So I, I do see that happening sometimes, but I do also understand your question where, you know, sometimes um, that could be a problem that comes up. Yeah. Well, if you, when you look at your book, you know how there's, there's certain things that you just go, oh, I love this section. Like, okay, we did this one really well. What, what chapter would you go? Yeah this is my favorite part to talk about. My favorite talk part to talk about is where I talk about seasons of life and how self-care looks different in different seasons of life. And just sharing my story of how, you know, there are times when I have had to really push through and self-care just kind of took a backseat and that's how it had to be. But then to acknowledge that that can't be the way every season is, you know, and we put that in, I felt it was so important to include that section because, you know, there could be some people who are in a season of life, you know, new mothers or certain, certain seasons of work where you just, you can't follow some of, if I'm being very honest, you might not be able to follow some of the advice in the book. It's just not possible in that season and to recognize that that's okay. Um, yeah. But that, that season should not last forever. Yeah. All right. 30 seconds biggest tip that you can give to our listeners out there on how they can have the whole life besides going out and running and getting your book how they can have the whole life i would say to do an inventory right now on a scale of one to ten how well are you taking care of yourself and to just start with this um 
understanding of where you are to know where you are and to start there. Awesome. Thank you. And thank for thank you for being on the show today. It was such an honor. Yeah, thanks for having me. Friend it because our girlfriends are where we get our best tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It. Hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com.